Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu slash certificate to learn more. Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfettah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome to MindShift, the podcast about the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I'm Ki Sung. And I'm Nima Gobier. Math is beautiful. Gorgeous, even. It's universal. It's pure. Parts of it are golden. But not all students see it that way. Today, we're going to talk about one way to bring those kids into the fold and help them love math, see its beauty, and feel like they belong in the world of numbers. A lot of students don't feel great about math. A 2012 PISA survey found that one-third of high school students feel helpless and emotionally stressed when doing math. For some, that feeling of helplessness can start with not being able to turn to friends or family for help. I kind of like was on my own from the start. Linda Solaris is a student at Losinger High School in Southern California. My parents didn't really understand like school um, directions. Like I would have to basically pay attention in class and like do my homework on my own when I got home. Yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons why I don't really like math. There are many reasons people don't like math. You do it alone, it's more restrictive, right and wrong answers, stressful time tests, and it can sting to get dinged all the time for wrong answers. Lessons also tend to build on each other, so if you fail in one class, you can't get into another, or you get held back and put in the slow class. This can lead a lot of students to believe that they are not made for math, and bigger than that, that they don't belong in STEM at all. Here's Stanford math education professor Joe Bowler. Something that's really important, particularly for adolescents and high school students, is that they feel a sense of belonging inside STEM. Researchers have found that a sense of belonging helps students succeed, because feeling like you're a part of a community of learners is a powerful motivator to do well. And unfortunately, a lot of students do not feel that they belong inside traditional high school math classes. The stakes are high. After a failed math class, discouraged students might feel like it's not for them and give up. Not just on math, on school. Then there are the inequities that our current system breeds. Most math courses are designed to culminate with calculus. And calculus has become an unspoken prerequisite to get into top-tier colleges even though it's not a good predictor of how prepared a student is for college math. It is, however, a good predictor of high household income, since wealthier schools are more likely to even have calculus as an option. Also, if you don't start Algebra 1 by 8th grade, there's no chance you'll be able to take calculus before graduating high school. And that can be an unreasonable expectation for kids. 
And so a very small proportion of kids actually make it through to calculus. Here's Joe Bowler again. Those that do, actually the majority of them retake it in college. Um, so all of those inequities that are built into the calculus pathway have made maths very inequitable and have made STEM very inequitable because of that. Advanced math classes are unique in that most people don't practice them outside the classroom. Like you don't casually solve calculus problems or find parabolas in a typical day. Eventually you would ask yourself, when will the kids use this? That's Ding Ai Tadena, a math teacher at Losinger High School in Southern California. Year after year, there's always a student who would ask me about when are we going to use this? I'm not going to use X and Y when I go buy or shop. So, how can we make math less abstract and more real? Is there a math class out there that doesn't make people feel terrible, that's accessible to everyone? Yes, there is. And it's data science. Okay, can somebody share their screen? Um, I call on Alexis. I can share mine. Okay, share yours, Peter. One of the most popular data sets at Losinger High School has to do with snacks. Every time we snacked or ate a meal, we had to log it into a survey saying, okay, how many calories was it? How many servings was in the thing? This is student Peter Tran. Fat, calories, and other things. Not to worry, the unit is not about encouraging weight loss or anything. Peter and his classmates tracked other information like, was a snack salty or sweet? How much does it cost? The number of ingredients? Their reasons for eating? They would enter their data into the Intro to Data Science app, and then to analyze the results, they'd plug their data into computer programs like RStudio. This helps them test against different variables, like when is the most common time of day to eat an unhealthy snack? Basically, the lab is almost like a lesson. It teaches us about the codes and how to use them in certain like situations. Peter and his classmate Linda Solaris said testing their code taught them a lot about revising their work, like how to fix broken code. And the assignment was fun because they were seeing more than just their name in a word problem. They were learning about themselves. It honestly made me more aware of what I was taking in and putting in my body. You know, we're in quarantine, we're eating a lot more, like out of boredom and stuff. So it honestly really helped me. After I finished the survey, I was like, wow, like I was really like eating not so healthy, you know? I love this class. The students are, they're so interested. They're so into it. Data science is not just a typical math class. It's a lot of things. It combines math, statistics, and coding. But if you boil it down, most data science classes teach you how to analyze information, how to ask a question and answer that question. And there's no limit to the kinds of questions you can ask. Like understanding how COVID is tracked in their communities. Where do seals go when they're underwater? And burning pop culture questions like, are women characters more likely to survive slasher films than men? It's just, it's, it's so much fun. 
That's James Molyneux, who is a part of the Introduction to Data Science team and is a professor at Oregon State. Another exercise he likes to teach puts student-collected data next to larger government data sets, like the American Time Use Survey from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Students are sort of measuring how long do they spend grooming, how long do they spend eating, how long do they spend with family, how long do they spend on social media. These projects help the students demystify how data is collected by the government and in the news articles they might read. That's according to Joe Bowler, who has her own teacher training program on data science through her courses at U-Cubed. There's a lot of misinformation out there and um, having students develop a critical perspective, that's one of the things we can teach in data science, be be skeptical of data that's put in front of you, ask questions of it, Think about who put that data together, what purpose did they have for it. Data science can help improve students' media literacy as they learn about privacy, how their data is tracked, and how to protect themselves. And these programs can teach kids data science that will make a difference in their communities, like how to report on air quality, resource distribution, and mental health. We've got to take a quick break, but stay with us because we hear from the people behind the curriculum and how they hope it will increase the STEM pipeline and prepare students for the top paid jobs in the country. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit Donate dot kqed dot org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks it's kind of a unique opportunity because there wasn't a high school data science course before that's Suyin Machado, a former math teacher who's the director of the program that created this curriculum, Introduction to Data Science, also called IDS. So IDS was created through a National Science Foundation grant whose specific goal was to increase the amount of students in uh, going into STEM careers and to bring computational and statistical thinking to high school students, specifically for underrepresented students. It was a partnership with the Los Angeles Unified School District. And if you know about the demographics of the district, you know that a high percentage of the students fall under those underrepresented groups. So the design of the course took in mind the strategies and the things that work for students um, in those 
underrepresented groups to do well. Machado and team used research to create something better. And um, studies have shown that engaging lessons that are um, inquiry-driven, student-driven, collaborative, are really well-suited for underrepresented groups. And you will find all of that in our curriculum. And they're good for students in general. Surveys of IDS students in the LA Unified School District found that coding was the most challenging part of the course, but also the most important skill students learned. Using programming software, they persisted by trying over and over again to get their code right, and that helped boost confidence in their ability to problem solve. The benefits were visible to the students in a way that might be harder to see in a trig problem. The outcome of getting more underrepresented students into STEM fields has yet to be seen. But for now, these educators are shifting students' experiences with STEM to increase the odds that they'll stay. Here's the thing. Data science isn't just for the kids who struggled with math. It's also for the math confident. Like for Emilio Jaime, who took one of the first data science classes offered at a school, Phineas Banning in LA. He was on track to take AP Calculus, but took IDS instead. Data science really allows students to try different things without being scared to fail. Math, as Emilio had traditionally been taught, had clear right and wrong answers. It felt set in stone, whereas data science was more open-ended. Just because I got a different answer doesn't mean I'm wrong. Um, so that was like a, a, like a kind of like an advantage, like you're not necessarily wrong. Like you just gotta explain yourself and show, kind of fight for why you're right, which I thought um, students saw as cool. <laughs> the confidence Emilio Jaime got from taking IDS helped him when he got to UC Berkeley and learned about the expertise his classmates already had. It was insane to hear and hearing about their backgrounds and like what they did in the past. Like I was so shocked because there was boarding schools and like private schools and everything. And when I went to Berkeley, um, I heard other students saying like, oh, yeah, like I took AP computer science this or I took this coding class. And I'm just like, you guys had that? Like my school did not offer anything close to that um, until like my senior year when we had IDS. But it turned out the data science class helped remind him that he belongs in STEM. He stayed the course and eventually landed a job at DreamWorks Animation, where he works with data sets and says he continues to use the skills he picked up in IDS in his everyday work. More and more people are using data science, even if it's not in their job title. Here's student Linda Solaris again. I actually want to become a medical statistician and my dream is to one day open up my own medical spa. And how do you see data involved in that? Well, I would technically be a business owner, uh, so I would have to analyze, you know, basically this is going to follow me in my future. Analyzing data, looking at surveys, yeah. And before we go, we have to address the fact that data scientist, as a job title, can make you a lot of money. Data scientist is one of the top paid jobs right now because tech and our dependence on it has vastly expanded the amount of data we generate and the types of data that's collected about us. 
Since IDEA started about eight years ago in Los Angeles, it's expanded to 10 states like Idaho, New Jersey, Hawaii, Connecticut, Kansas, Tennessee, Wisconsin, and it's in Australia too. Teachers are also getting trained by a group called the Concord Consortium to integrate data science into other classes outside of math. Like data in English or chemistry? Yes, you can do data work in nearly every subject. And Concord, along with IDS and several universities, are part of a growing collective pushing for more data science in middle and high schools. As of last year, the University of California and Cal State now accept data science as math coursework on its A through G list for applicants. So you're likely to see data science as more of the norm. Will we see it replace calculus? Maybe for some students, but the bigger goal is for it to diversify STEM. Special thanks to Linda Solaris, Peter Tran, Emilio Jaime, Dingai Tadena, Suyan Machado, James Molyneux, and Joe Bowler. Mindshift is produced by me, Ki Sung. And me, Nima Gobier. Our editor is Jessica Pacek. Seth Samuel is our sound designer. Erica Aguilar is our head of podcasts. And Holly Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. If you love Mindshift and enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. It's the best way for people to find out about the show, and it helps us keep going. And if you want to share your thoughts on this episode, you can find us on Twitter at MindShiftKQED. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.